0: Good morning. Happy Sunday and welcome
1: to Beacon Church's latest video message for us to gather around and uh, seek the Lord together. Um, In just a few moments, I'm going to hand over to myself. I'll be preaching on the next Sermon in our Luke series. And for that reason, you're not going to see me again at the end. Um, I don't want to just be repeating what I've just preached, Um, besides the fact that you can always get too much of me. Um, It's also the fact that where I land the sermon, I just want that to retain its poignancy and I don't want to detract from that. Um, So even with that in mind, um, there's a couple of songs attached to the content details on Vimeo for this video uh, that you can use to worship the Lord on the back of the message or in the Zoom room, we're going to use them in our own way to fix our eyes on him and to seek his face together. Um, But before I pray for us and before I hand over to me, Um, I just want to lead us in a recitation of something that King David um, proclaims in the Old Testament when he blesses the Lord in front of the assembly of the people. Uh, You can find it in 1 Chronicles um, chapter 29. It's just a few verses from there and these are King David's words but they're going to come up on the screen. Let's recite them together. Let's fix our eyes on the one whom we're coming before to hear his word, to hear his voice and to allow him to speak To us and have his way amongst us. The words are just going to come up now. Say these words with me if you want to stand, you want to sit, if you want to kneel, whatever's appropriate for you. Let's say these words together. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honour come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Let me just pray. Father, you are the great King we have just declared that is so true of you. You are the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings. May you truly be the King of all kings in our hearts as well. As we now come before your word, will you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Will you stir something fresh in us? May we be transformed as a result for your glory, for our good and uh, for the building of your church. Come and have your way amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. So here we are in the fourth sermon in our series, working our way through the book of Luke. And we are, in fact, in the middle of chapter four. And so far, we've seen Jesus emerging from his childhood and stepping further and further into his identity as Messiah on earth. He's being faithful and filled with the Holy Spirit and contending with the devil in the wilderness. And now we've got to a point where Jesus is now allowing his identity to emerge more publicly, which today we're going to find more than ruffles a few feathers. This passage we're going to be looking at is actually a passage I began to speak on at the beginning of the year. When you remember, I spoke on the longest year, about the year of the Lord's favour. And in that story, if you recall, uh, we found Jesus returning to his hometown, Nazareth, after his time in the wilderness with the devil and as per his and the people's custom he joined in the sabbath scripture readings at the local synagogue which is what they did every week and in that moment jesus as he stands to take his turn in reading from scripture he not only reads out a well-known prophecy from the book of isaiah which was written 700 years before that moment something which proclaims god's grand promise of a new era of hope and healing and freedom and favour this year of the Lord's favour Jesus not only reads out that portion of scripture but he then drops the bombshell that he is the one who's ushering that era in and today we're going to continue from that passage and we're going to get to see the people's reaction to this astonishing statement of his Mary is going to read from verse 22
0: And all spoke well of him and marvelled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away.
1: So, let's just take a slower look at what's just happened. First of all, these people... They marvel at Jesus's gracious words, as it's described. Uh, these are people who knew Jesus as a local lad. Uh, they, they've grown up in the same town. They, they know his family. They have a human frame of reference. They're going, this is Joseph's boy. It's Joe's boy. This, this doesn't quite compute. What's going on? They marvel at that. But then in that moment, Jesus immediately, he responds by calling them out with what he knows is their next move. Verse 23, Jesus says, Uh, He said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. He's effectively saying, so you hear me talking about healing and rescue, and you know I've already been performing miracles 20 miles down the road. So obviously, you're going to be expecting me to do exactly the same here. This is like a, a game of chess, if you like, where The best players, they don't just work out their next move, but what they do, they deduce their opponent's next moves and come up with countermeasures. And Jesus here is he's preempting their thoughts and he knows they're gonna demand it of him. Do it here, do it you did in Capernaum, we wanna see the show. But in so doing, it proves, as Jesus preempts their thoughts here, it proves that his clever chess move isn't just showing off his ability to read minds. More importantly, This is about his ability to reveal people's hearts. And that's our biggest take home today. You see, Jesus isn't just a clever supernatural entity who can do parlor tricks, reading minds, healing bodies. His ultimate mission is about what lies beneath. And while he can read minds and he can heal our bodies, he's more interested in dealing with our hearts. Because that's where the battle is, that's where sin festers. That's why he came. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's just talk about this word heart. We kind of know what we're talking about. We use it as a metaphor, but let's just be specific for a moment. When we use the word heart, and repeatedly in the in the New Testament in the original language, the word that keeps coming up is "cardia" with a K. It's where we get "cardiac" from, from the Greek. This "cardia" is not referring to our blood pumps. But it's referring to something spiritual. It's talking about the very seat of our dreams, our desires, our motives, our passions. It's where our will resides. And Jesus knows that as powerful a testimony as miracles are, no one who doesn't want to turn to God, no one who doesn't want to repent, is going to be persuaded even by miracles anyway. so we too we must never let that kind of thing be our primary focus while for example god still does heal today it must be our hearts our cardia receiving his surgical intervention that is our number one priority giving him glory as he changes us and so jesus he continues with this very theme with his audience in this moment and what he does He goes on to remind them of two stories that they'll all be familiar with, one about a widow and one about a leper. And we can find these tales from Israel's history in our Old Testaments. And both of these stories, they come at a point, um, a low point, in fact, in the nation's life when unfaithfulness and rejection of God is at an all-time high. And so God instead, what he does, he shows his love and his grace outside of Israel's borders and this is where we discover the lesson that Jesus is giving his immediate hearers in Nazareth. Let's just take a look at these two stories. Firstly, 1 Kings 17 is where we'll find the first one about the widow. Um, if you can go back and read it at some point, uh, we, we discover that here, during some years of drought and subsequent terrible famine, God sends his prophet Elijah to visit a widow in a neighbouring region. And that moment, that, that journey... That leads to a miracle of a provision of food, miraculous provision of food, and also the reviving of her dead son. Now, we need to ask a question, why this woman, this foreigner, when there's plenty of starving widows and grieving parents in Israel? Well, the reason is because the king of Israel, he's married the daughter of the ruler of this neighboring region. And she, her name's Jezebel, She's introduced her new husband, the king, and subsequently the nation to her evil religion of Baal. They, the people of God, they've turned their hearts, their cardia away from the true living God, and so in turn the true living God extends his grace instead to a widow in the very place where this false worship came from. In his own people's hard heartedness, God's grace is poured out where it's least expected. Pretty heavy. But then Jesus continues immediately with a second story, one about a guy called Naaman, which we can find in 2 Kings chapter 5, where many years after the first tale, um, when Israel has suffered defeat at the hands of another enemy, Syria, God stirs another prophet, Elisha, to invite the enemy army's commander who suffers from leprosy to come to him, where he, Elijah, gives Naaman. Divine instruction that leads to divine healing and, more importantly, heart change. Now, again, we can ask, well, why this powerful foreigner? He's an enemy, no less. Why not any of the others who are suffering severe skin diseases in Israel itself? Again, it's because of the nation's unfaithfulness and also because God has far bigger plans for the planet as a whole, for humanity wide not just one particular nation. He is a sovereign God who's not going to be wooed by our self-absorbed whims or even our nationalism. We need to remember that God, although he's able to read minds and he's able to heal bodies, he's far more interested in our hearts. And Israel's heart at the time in, in this these historical tales, Israel's heart at the time was unrepentant, self-absorbed, rebellious and even traitorous and i can't shake my head at them because at the very least i recognize that self-absorbed bit at the very least and so then we see here of course jesus as he's using these stories he's provoking what is already in these other people's hearts in nazareth and as he tells these stories to teach them a lesson they do indeed they reveal their true colors Now, they could have fallen flat on their faces, admitting their unfaithfulness. They could have repented of their demands for a magic show, effectively, is what they're asking for. One would have hoped to have seen repentance. But instead, we see rejection. Jesus doesn't match up to their wants and their expectations of who he should be and what he should do. And so what happens? Verse 28. When they heard these things all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Now, ultimately, Jesus in this moment, is Teflon coated. It wasn't time for them to lay violence on him. That's going to come much, much later. But it does still mean, nevertheless, it ends on a very sad note. Let me just read that last line again. The God of all grace is among them. Yet as they reject him, verse 30, passing through their midst, he went away. That makes me shudder. Like in those two stories from Israel's history, in being rejected by his own people and so directing his grace to their enemies, again here, the God of grace, he leaves to spread his message of hope and rescue somewhere else. Jesus moves on to another bunch of people. Can you imagine just for a moment? Picture it. The true living God passing through our midst and leaving. That's such a gut wrench. And they, they've only got themselves to blame. And so I just I need to just keep it simple today, that's what I want to do. I just need to ask the question do i simply want the parlor tricks of christianity am i yearning for big numbers for stirring events for signs and wonders for exciting surprises all these things that there can be okay but all at the expense of hearing those difficult truths that i need to hear most about myself see none of this is to dismiss the value or the place of miracles (laughs) we've seen them here in beacon we're going to keep asking humbly for more. Said, please do not mishear me. And Jesus, of course, he continued to keep performing miracles here, there and everywhere throughout the rest of his ministry and throughout history. He's not stopped and he's not stopping. But in this moment, he's revealing the hearts of those who don't want to listen. These people who in many ways, at least geographically, these are his nearest and dearest. And I'd be horrified to discover that he's doing the same with me with us and I'm not listening either so I just need to ask again am I just focusing on the secondary benefits of church like friendships nice songs interesting talks the benefit of how I feel when helping others out and so on or am I truly seeking him first and foremost do i want to be part of a successful and exciting church or do i want to be part of a faithful one which can be very very different we need to ask ourselves these difficult questions we need to be honest before god or we can be in danger of being like these residents of nazareth these are surface satisfied churchgoers they're going to the sabbath for the synagogue readings uh, they're going on the sabbath to the synagogue readings on a regular basis that's why they're there they're regular churchgoers but they're just satisfied with the surface none of what they're hearing is reaching the heart Uh, james chapter 1 verse 23 says for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like is that me do I read my Bible, do a prayer, put my Bible down and my day or my week is unaffected? Is that me? Or am I listening for his voice and letting him break me and mould me? Just want to leave us with two things and then a Bible verse just to end. Again, I, want, I just want to keep this simple. Firstly, for those of us that do love Jesus, let's Guard our hearts, let's guard our cardia against becoming numb to his voice. just want to note this this isn't about losing your salvation. Once you are his, you are always his. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from His de- from the dead, you, you are saved. Once you're his, you're always his. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand, as, as Andrea reminded of, uh, us of last week. So it's not about that, but hear this. In our wavering affections, we can still end up missing the potency of his very presence. Let me say that again. In our wavering affections, we can miss the potency of his very presence. So brothers and sisters, let's let's make space to truly hear. Let's make ourselves available, cutting out distractions and whatever is needed. Let's make space to truly hear. Let's do it in loving community where we can invite others to shine light on our blind spots. Let's do it together. And let's not let our earthly experience eclipse what God is saying. They they they, they were like, this is Joseph's son. Seriously, I, this doesn't add up. They were allowing that to frame their expectations and assumptions of the transcendent God of all creation. They were expecting to do magic a magic show for him. That's not what he's about. They allowed their earthly experience to frame their expectations and assumptions of him. Let's not be those people. Let's go out of our way to invite and to make room for God's presence and his dealing with our hearts. And if you don't know Jesus, if this is all new to you, if you're still trying to work this out, please, I implore you, don't allow him to pass through your midst and then depart. He's the God of eternity who knitted you together, who gave you breath, who allows you to get up in the morning. He created you to know him and to walk beside him for the rest of your days. And for all your brokenness, he has more than paid the price on that cross. For all your deafness, his creation and his word speak far louder. Listen out for his loving voice. And for all your hopes and your dreams of a better life his plans for you will always better them the christian life isn't easier it's far from it in fact but it's the best one so please don't close your eyes and close your ears please don't close off your heart turn to him and turn to him now let me just finish with one verse from also from isaiah from isaiah chapter 57 Verse 15, it just really helpfully, beautifully sums this up. It says this. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Let's all turn to him with hearts humble and open and there we will find mercy there we will find kindness there we're going to find a life filled with his immediate presence let me pray for us father you are holy you are other you are set apart you are transcendent and yet you are a god who deemed it good to step into our mess to rescue us and bring us home let us be people who respond to that help us to be people who uh, hear those whispers of love that you where you speak into where you point out our failings and our weaknesses but you do it with our best intents at heart and your glory in mind lord you, you do that out of love We can only love you because you first loved us. Let us respond to that. Let us not reject you. Let us not be hard-hearted. Soften our hearts where we need to hear, where we need to be contrite, have those bruised hearts that are touch-sensitive to you. Lord, let us not be people um, who build up walls. Let us be people who pull them down. Let us be people who are open to you, that our cardiac, our hearts are responsive to you. Even in this moment, we just lift our hands to you we open our eyes our ears our hearts to you and we say will you speak to us will you stir us will you tell us where you want to do some heart surgery will you help us to be open to that to receive it holy spirit will you do a work in us lord we are we are humans we are weak limited creatures but you're the one who is making us more like you Help us to step into that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stick close to him. Have a blessed week.